Welcome to the Bill Bradley Collective. We are outside in the Levy Nadelberg compound in beautiful but sweltering New London, Connecticut, the New Orleans of Connecticut, because A, it's 103 with a 92% humidity rate. B, New Orleans, like New York, is about to uh, insist that you have to be vaccinated to be in public places. Thank you to Brandon for pointing this out. I had missed this because that is a cool thing to do in the South. And C, both cities will be completely underwater in 10 years. So, <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to have to find another place to do Yeah, we'll, we'll have beachfront property. Yeah, right, we'll well, and, and don't we'll forget the other one. A lot of street parties here oh, in New London and also in New Orleans. That's true. A lot of street parties. It is like Mardi Gras here in New London for no reason whatsoever. So you may hear some festive background music. So how you doing, Zach? Sorry, I'm smoking a cigarette. I'm doing well. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing fine. So... Uh, Hubert Simpson, Abe's brother. Herb. No, Herb is Homer's brother. Oh, Hubert, Bart's brother. No, Hubert is Abe's brother. And he is the first person to do something on The Simpsons. The fact he's Abe's brother should be a hint. But if you want another one, he narrowly edges out Snowball 1 for this title. Hubert? Is Abe Simpson's brother? Yes. This is a later episode. No, it's an early episode. Very early episode. Season one. Tie an onion to his belt? No, because he narrowly beats out Snowball One. I, I am stumped. He dies. <laughs> Snowball, one could, <laughs> Snowball One could not have tied an onion to his belt because cats can't tie and can't, cats don't wear belts. Uh, and, I believe I they're also, and I also believe they're allergic to onions. They absolutely are. <laughs> so that was a very poor guess for the snowball one thing. But uh, what will you be ranting about today? I'll be ranting about J.R. Smith's future ascendancy to the top of the collegiate golf ranks in America. I can only hope that LeBron caddies for him. I just and, and gives him the like, what the fuck? What the fuck? Yeah, when he, when he, when he knocks down a yeah. seven iron. <laughs> How you doing, Andrew? I'm doing well. It's, it is hot as hell. I've joined Zach on the the three button open wave here. Yeah, got to air it out. Got to let the chest hair Woo. breathe. Yeah. It's a hot one. Yeah, I did not. I did not wear a button down shirt today. How are you wearing long pants, by the way? Um, I am a nearly sixty year old Irish man, and I do not wear shorts out of the house ever for any reason. Fair. Okay, <laughs> I think that answers that. I wear shorts in the house. In case, because I'm not just going to walk around in my underwear in case someone <laughs> sneaks in and looks into the window. I don't want to horrify them. So I wear shorts in the house when I'm alone and a t-shirt. But, uh, yeah, I do not wear them out of the house ever for any reason. Have you ever seen me wear shorts outside other than go swimming? I've seen you wear jean shorts, I think, once. I used to play. Like, you used to see me play basketball. Yeah. I, I played basketball in short time, But that's, that was like 20 years ago. No, I don't do this anymore. They say it on the Sopranos. A Don does not wear shorts. <laughs> a Don does not wear shorts. All right. The old, the old mafia saying. That's right. So I had multiple dead or alive for you today, but I'm going to stick with this one. In 1970, the San Diego Rockets, because they were still in San Diego in 1970, drafted a Hall of Fame player in the first round and a Hall of Fame player in the second round. Both of them spent almost their entire careers with the Rockets, and they are both famous for fights, one for winning and one for losing. Okay. And are they dead or alive? Okay. Um, one is 1970. I don't want to get this wrong from the fucking... Um, I got like five names percolating here. He's, he's you have all, five names. Um, he's in the Hall of Fame less for his being a player. Coach, Rudy Tomjanovich? Yes, Rudy Tomjanovich was in the okay. Hall of Fame. He's a first rounder. Who's a second rounder from Niagara? Calvin Murphy? Calvin Murphy is correct. Con uh, Connecticut's own. This, Norwalk, that, Connecticut. Norwalk, Connecticut's own. That is... The fact that you had well, five no, names. I, <laughs> that was, I hate to say, I, I think out loud. And I just, I had so are they dead or alive? Rudy T's alive. Yes, he is. Calvin Murphy's dead, isn't he? Ooh. Oh, good. Uh, good. I'm glad to be wrong. Hey, though. Flowers budget Flower, stays Flower, tight this Flower, week. Flowers budget stays tight. Hey. By, the way, by the way, just 
We have time to get here, right? Yeah. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, who cares? <laughs> the first four picks in the 1970 draft, the Pistons, the Rockets, the Hawks, and the Celtics all picked Hall of Famers. Okay. The, uh, Pistons took... Uh, From St. Bonaventure. And you don't need an answer for the Rockets. Just, oh, Bob Lanier? So. Correct. Who's the next pick? For the Hawks. Well, Rudy was second. For Rudy the Hawks. Second. Hall of Famer? Hall of Famer. Um, I, I oh, come on. It's a, it's a fairly easy one because he was the greatest, one of the greatest college players to ever live. Where do you go to college? LSU. Pete Maravich. Yes. Good Sorry. God. And for this, well, that would, once <laughs> oh. you said LSU, you yeah. Yeah, 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 that I didn't that know it was going to be that. Yeah, like, yeah. sort of. I would have yeah. yeah. the, the me on an island for 100 years. Yeah, the 1968 LSU team. Who picked fourth? Sorry. The Celtics. Celtics took. Where do you go to college? I think Florida State. I could be wrong. What position do you play? Center. No, no, it's easy. Who played? Set, who who's a Hall of Fame center for the Celtics Dave in the seventies? Yeah. yeah, and did he go to Florida State? The first two picks in the second round also were in the Hall of Fame. This is the hell of a draft. Helvin Murphy was one. The other played for the Cincinnati Royals, and then the Kansas City Omaha Royals. And Kansas City and Omaha are not close together. Nate Thurmond? No, no. he was a guard. He was a guard. He ended up playing with Maravich on the Celtics. Only player to ever lead the league in both assists and scoring in the same year. Tiny Archibald? That is correct, yeah. Good God. And uh, the only <laughs> you one... Cut, that, you can cut all that. The only one who's dead is uh, uh, Maravich. Yeah. So, yeah, we'll, we'll be doing a lot of... We'll, I, I've been spending a lot of time on... on Late sixties, early seventies drafts, NBA drafts. That's, which, it's in the wheel. It's in the wheelhouse. It's, yeah. So Andrew, what are you ranting about? The amplification of what otherwise would have been like a routine regular season major league baseball game using Field of Dreams, the film, and kind of uh, a weird the mixed messaging of of that film and baseball trying to be more inclusive and more progressive. Yeah, that film sucks. And, and, uh, and, and Dad, what will you be ranting about today? I and also, will, how, more importantly, how you doing? I'm I'm doing Bafo. I'm heading off to New I'm heading off to New Hampshire with Alicia and the kids for five days, Lake Winnipesaukee. Uh, the lake next to Lake Winnipesaukee. Oh. We're, we're doing a, a, a an exurb lake because um, it's a little cheaper. But yeah, we're going to be there for five full days. New Hampshire has legalized marijuana, doesn't live, it? Live free or die, yeah. baby. Uh, cheap booze, too. Uh, and I, yeah, I might, be able to get, I might be able to get through this. So I believe in myself. You stop off at Massachusetts at the dispensary <laughs> on the way up. <laughs> Been there, done that. I'm going to be ranting about why Deshaun Watson somehow is still showing up in camp and the unfortunate habit of powerful white women deciding that they're more powerful than women. And we will also be talking about the corporatization in sports in a way which I think will surprise some of our listeners as we shamelessly plug for sponsors here on the Bill Bradley Collective. Passing through the intersection of sports and politics, we are the Bill Bradley Collective. Here are your hosts, Andrew, Ed, and Zach. So to kick us off this week, uh, I'm going to get us started with a rare kind of positive uh, rant here because this week I was on ESPN.com, even though we hate them, they are the epicenter of sports news. And one of the headlines was J.R. Smith to petition NTAA for golf. And I was like, well, I have to read this. JR, I love J.R. Smith. I, you know, his, his antics have always delighted me. I thought he was always like a pretty, pretty good basketball player. Been, he's part of one of the great NBA memes. And he went straight from high school uh, to the NBA. He never played a minute of college athletics. And at 35, he has decided uh, to go back and get his degree at Texas A&M. And he says he's about a five handicap, uh, good. Which, is, which is good. I mean, that's better than me. That's <laughs> it's better than me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that that is a good golfer. And he has to petition the NCAA uh, to play because the NCAA has a rule that you automatically lose eligibility if you go professional in that sport. 
So he's never went professional in golf. He only went professional in basketball. So he should be able to play. It's the NCAA, so who knows? And all I'm saying is I really hope they do because I am here to watch J.R. Smith on, like, ESPN2 in some college tournament with a bunch of, like, rich 18-year-olds and J.R. Smith out there. And, you know, I, I look at it and go, Give me, give me J.R. Smith or give me death. Like, let's, let's, let's get this going. Let's see this happen. I am very excited to see all of these kids write about what it's like to hang out with J.R. Smith. Because my guess would be the number of white guys J.R. Smith has hung around <laughs> in his life is very small. It couldn't be better. And they should do this all over the place. Like, nobody watches college golf. So why don't we, uh, all these field goal kickers and all these hockey players, just go and go to college and... Play golf. It'll be. It would make it fun. J.R. Smith also, strangely enough, is if you're into highlight clips, J.R. Smith had some of the most incredible in-game dunks that anyone ever had. Now he also he also he also, he also gave LeBron James a brain aneurysm. He also didn't he, didn't he use the didn't he use the untie guy's shoes on the free throw line? Was that him? Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh He's God. a crazy person. I can't wait. He played, yeah. played 15 years. Was drafted in 04. Um, and you said nobody watches college golf. Well, this third of this podcast <laughs> does watch the NCAA's. It's match how play. Much, how it's, much more would you watch if J.R. Smith was involved? I I would get. Does the, does Texas A and M? There's an Aggie network somewhere that I can subscribe to. Are you kidding me? The only op- other there is there's a, the Texas ne- the Texas network is the, isn't that Longhorn, 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 Longhorn network? That's, Longhorn that's network. just Texas though. That's not A and M. Oh, it's just yeah. University. Oh yeah, that's UT. Yeah, yeah but um, they'll, they'll just they'll just you know at this point A and M will just merge. The <laughs> well, they're, well, oh they're all in the SEC now, so it works out. There you go. Oh yeah, SEC network. That's right. The optics of college golf are really funny because, like, like I think of, like, Zach and I in our 30s, and we're out there, and we have, like, kickstand bags, but they're larger kickstand bags. We carry because we're able-bodied adults. You see these, like, 18, 20-year-old college kids with, like, the skinny bags, the real skinny that you sometimes see, and they they all got push carts. They can't have caddies, nobody's, but nobody's carrying. They all have push carts. I'm here for, like, grown-ass fucking six-foot-eight J.R. Smith, like, pushing this skinny bag, like, around a, a golf course surrounded by... Like you said, just like rich white. Do do we think the NCA <laughs> lets it? Does the NCA know that it is in their interest to let this happen? Like, do you think they let this? They happen? should. They. It's gonna bring eyeballs. It's, it's gonna bring eyeballs. It's gonna bring eyeballs. The the NCAA has a lot of faults. Turning down money is not one of them. There you go. So I'm going to talk about in kind of a roundabout way something that should have been one of the major stories of the last month, and then one that is the major story of this week. Uh, so Deshaun Watson is still somehow not on the commissioner's exempt list. Kareem Hunt was up, put on the commissioner's exempt list when accusations of, of abuse for a circle came up. Uh, who's the Giants kicker? Bucker or whatever his name was. There was a kicker. Bucker? Yeah, Bucker. But, Butker, I think. Butker. Butker. Yeah, Butker. Yeah, Butker. yeah mm-hmm. he was put on the exempt list. But Deshaun Watson, the star quarterback, is not. And it creates all of this awkwardness as Mina Kimes did a great piece on uh, highly questionable the other day talking about how we're covering this as a sporting event and it's not a sporting event and you know and and she said our coverage and then she backed off because she realized she was criticizing the mothership and she said by our I mean the media in general has had many more articles about his trade how this impacts his trade power but Ashley Solis who is the first person to come forward publicly you know under her name yeah uh, of the 22 women who have filed filed police charges against him, she was interviewed by Lisa Freed and Jennifer Gaffney, who work for the NFL. They are former prosecutors. She and Lauren Barkley complained that they were patronizing, that these uh, Lisa and Jennifer uh, Freed and Gaffney were patronizing and victim-blaming, that Solis said she was asked by Freel, well, what were you wearing? Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, while you were doing the massage. You know, as though she's wearing a bikini top like it's, a, you know, a uh, like Robert Kraft was hanging around waiting for his turn. <laughs> Meanwhile, they say the police, Houston police have been, quote, very respectful and trauma informed. Well, when you were performing less well with rape victims than Texas police officers, you need to really think about yourselves. And part of this is just. The regular Goodell's a monster. Everything's about money. He doesn't care about any human being other than himself. 
But I want to take a step away from that and talk about how deeply, and I'm the wrong person to feel this way because I'm a white male, but how deeply upsetting it is and disappointing it is when powerful women get involved in disputes between the powerful and women and choose the powerful. And I'm, I'm, I'm looking at you, Lisa Friel. I'm looking at you, Jennifer Gaffney, although supposedly they've gotten better after the complaints. But I would also like to talk about Rita Glavin, the attorney for Andrew Cuomo, who attacked relentlessly the victims of that monster. And Melissa DeRosa, who originally was hired to be uh, the chairman for the Women and Girls Committee in New York government to make sure women and girls were treated fairly, but instead use that platform to go after his victims. That too often, I think, we see, and specifically white women, choosing the powerful over other women. And I think we saw two stories today. I saw two stories today, two stories this week. The Deshaun Watson story isn't a story somehow. It, it, and I think it's incredibly important for the NFL because it says everything you need to know about how the NFL views women. Yeah, I think, you know, you look at the way they've handled this case versus the way they've handled other cases where they've kind of immediately put them on the exemption, and it's definitely stranger. Um, I mean, I'm sure the NFL can make the argument, well, these are civil complaints, not criminal complaints. It's somewhat... No, they are criminal complaints. I thought there's, they were only civil. No, there's 22 criminal complaints... Then what, are they do, then I thought it was, then what are they doing? They're just, and you are correct about powerful white women protecting powerful white men. That always seems to happen. One of the attorneys for Cuomo resigned when it became just obvious that he had done this. And she tried to like talk back, like saying like, oh, the things I've seen over the last year have really changed how I've, she was his attack dog. Yeah, this is DeRosa. She wasn't his attorney. She was an aide, his yeah, top aide. Yeah, yeah. She, she chose this nipple ring-having monster <laughs> over, like, women that he had clearly been inappropriate with. It's jarring to think back to, like, I mean, and, okay, this is from a pure football sort of a fan uh, point of view. Leading up to the NFL draft back in, like, April, there was a lot of, it was all about Deshaun Watson, you know, wants out of Houston, he's on the, he's on the block, where's, where's he going to go? All of these like abhorrent allegations, complaints come out against him, and and, and nobody talks. And it's like, all right, well, he's persona non grata. Nobody's going after him. And then a funny thing happens, like training camp starts, and I see Deshaun Watson taking reps in Texans camp, and I'm like, wait a minute, like, what? Why is he? Why is he? Why is he playing? Why is he? And, and to Ed's point about how now it's all about like his the conversations back to his like his trade value and where's what? Why is he out there? How is he not? on the commissioner's list. I don't mean to get, I, I never want to give props to like MLB or Rob Manfred, but you look at like the case of Trevor Bauer, he's never going to probably pitch again. And once the allegations came out against him, it was like, all right, you're, he, he went on the commissioner's list. He went on the restricted list. Why is Watson on the field? I don't under, I don't understand. I can't understand it. Fo football's record, <laughs> football at both the college and pro level, their handling of sexual assaults and sexual violence is always abhorrent. And just to make sure that we, we realize that in the Andrew Cuomo story, except for these women who came forward, there are no heroes. How the fuck does CNN put um, uh, Chris yeah, Cuomo Chris back Cuomo. on? Chris Fredo. 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 How the hell does he put Chris Cuomo back on the air when he acknowledges that he was working on Andrew Cuomo's defense with him while serving as an anchor and reporting on the story? He does How does CNN... CNN, the difference between CNN and, and Fox is the evening programs. That's really it. Yeah. He does big numbers in that 9 o'clock hour. Or 10 o'clock, I, I don't know. Oh, I think he's 9 o'clock. 9 o'clock. It's a ratings draw, if you will. Bring us home. Yeah, to something a little positive, a little negative. Thursday night um, was the Field of Dreams game. Uh, a game that's going to happen again next year. Two teams not yet picked, but they're going to do it. They're going to run it back. Basically, what Major League Baseball wanted to do last year, and they had to scrap it because of COVID, they were going to have a game on the in Iowa where the film Field of Dreams was set amidst the, you know, the cornfields and such, and um, they couldn't do it. They did it this year. White Sox and Yankees, and it's, it was a really, it's on paper, the White Sox are in first place. I think they're probably the favorite to win the AL. 
Uh, the Yankees, my Yankees, they're not. This game didn't. <laughs> this game, briefly, this game was a microcosm of the Yankee season. It was a great game. It was really entertaining. There were the Yankees fell behind seven three. They take the lead in the ninth. Two home runs. The guys Stanton and Judge. They get it to eight seven. And of course, uh, they they blow the lead in the bottom of the ninth. Uh, the, the White Sox walk off. That's the. That's all I'm gonna say. I'm not. I'm not gonna. Cause I'm gonna get worked up if I go into more detail about that. <laughs> Optically, it was like it was pretty cool, honestly. Like, and I'm not. Again, if you, if you listen to our movie draft, you know that the three of us aren't really fans of this movie. In fact, we all quite dislike it. But. I don't know, man. Kevin Costner walking through the cornfield and like a really like a like a hot crowd and the players coming through. It was it was. I can understand how, you know, objectively it was it was it was pretty cool, but um, you know, there's a certain like glorification of like the movie itself. Glor it's it's like a love letter to like pre-integrated baseball. It's a love letter to a team that like to pre-integrated America. To pre-integrated America, of course. Yes. Um, you know, the James Earl Jones character, the sole black character in the film is like, he's, it's almost like, like a joke that he's, it's almost like he's just there to, he's there to kind of assuage like, you know, concerns that it's, you know, not this like racist piece of uh, commerce. I don't, especially when like the, the White Sox win where Tim Anderson, they're very, who's a great player, they're a shortstop, uh, an African-American who has been critical. He's one of these guys like a Fernando Tatis Jr., that's all about the bat flips and a little bit of showmanship and a little bit of flair. And a black man walked off in this game. And, you know, he was the star of the game. And the, and the, and the whole movie is without black ball players. is without just a very weird, very, very strange. Again, it was, it was aesthetically, it was pretty neat. And it made, it made a meaningless one of 162 kind of interesting. And for Fox, Fox wants, they have the All-Star game in July. They kind of, baseball kind of owns August. You could say the NFL preseason does, but like Fox wants a night in August where they're going to do, do a big number in a weeknight, and they did it with this game. I just don't think the, I don't think the messaging of the film Field of Dreams, intentionally or not, I don't think it's necessarily intentional, kind of vibes with, uh, you know, a more progressive Major League Baseball. I, I you know. The effort to be more progressive. They should have made one player on each team hit the opposite hand of the way they hit <laughs> in honor of the Sulis Joe Jackson. No Aaron, Ray Liotta, honestly. Where, where's Ray Liotta? I was. I was okay. All right. It, 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 it is. It's so weird. Like I know that it's this iconic baseball movie, but like so is Bull Durham. So is The Natural. And it's a movie that's like proudly seems to celebrate pre-integration baseball. You know. Look at the teams and the players that walk out in the movie, and then look at the players that walked out at the game, and there's a pretty stark difference there. Well, you know, baseball, I mean, movies are always blamed like, oh, we don't care about the middle of the country. It's, you know, it's all flyover country. The reality is the love letters for this image of rural America that Hollywood has, which has nothing to do with rural America, literally nothing, which is meth... <laughs> meth-ridden and racist and horrifying. And poor. And, and, and incredibly, poor. In, and incredibly <laughs> impoverished. Yeah. Like. But, uh, yeah, I, I put in, somebody quote uh, sent out a tweet on it, and I, about how, you know, people who don't love this movie don't love baseball. And I said, no, people who love baseball want to see Shoeless Joe Jackson bat left-handed. <laughs> the movie doesn't love baseball. Um, and... It got like 30 likes, which I think sets my record for a tweet. Um, but the other one, Cousin Sal wrote that if they really want to do this, the NFL should also allow Kevin Costner to run the draft like he does in draft day. Uh, like oh, pretty like good. Let, him run, let him run the Browns draft next year. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, I think it's a cool thing. I think it's like the NHL's outdoor games. Mm. I think it's a cool thing. I, um, it, I, I didn't watch it, but I will next year. It is something that, like, baseball has a problem with being interesting in the fact of it's not interesting, interesting no. at all. You know, that that's their problem is. And when guys get out there and they do bat flips and they do things that are interesting, you know, you get a million uh, pundits saying, well, they're breaking the unwritten rule. This made the game interesting. I, I also think there was a stolen base attempt in that game, which, like, they should have stopped the game and given the guy the base for trying. <laughs> nobody fucking steals bases anymore. There was this game had a presenting sponsor as well, much like everything in sports. Um, 
insurance magnet, Geico, the Field of Dreams classic, whatever, presented by Geico. And on that kind of note, that's where we're going here today. Uh, we're going to talk about, after the break, the just the corporatization of our sporting landscape. Stay tuned here on the Bill Bradley Collective. Ever wanted to try those pre-portioned, make-at-home, fresh ingredient meal kit services such as HelloFresh or Blue Apron, but the price tag is a bit out of your budget? Here's a new, well, it's a used meal kit service for you to take a bite out of. Brown Apron. Brown Apron is a meal-by-mail service that cuts the cost while also cutting the quality of the ingredients they send you. The company was started by a couple of bottom feeders surviving off the damaged, discarded, and returned items from the dumpster behind Blue Apron's order processing plant, and it quickly grew once they realized they could sell the garbage for profit on the internet. And because you're listening to this podcast today, you can enter the promo code BUGCHECK at checkout, and the Brown Apron team will give your first order a second glance to comb through it for bugs and stuff. Check out Brown Apron today. You won't be disappointed that you hadn't heard about them sooner. Bug check promo code may only be used once and only applies to your first order. Ingredients provided may or may not make a complete meal and do not come with a recipe. Do not order from Brown Apron if you have not had a tetanus shot within the last eight years. It is not recommended to feed garbage to children under the age of 12. So as we often do on this show, I'm going to quote managementstudyguide.com. Burn that website (laughs) to the ground. Which which is run by uh, MBAs and their dads. And, And this is a sport about the corporatization of sports. And they said, and this is in bold, because you know you're a good writer when you're putting things in bold. There was a time before the 1970s and 1980s when sports to be played for sports' sake and not for money's sake. Or sports was played. It's badly written. It's a stupid comment because it's never been true in the history of the United States. No, sports, sports has always been played to make someone rich. Uh, right, yeah. Yeah. It's been made at least to make them richer, yeah. but you can't be now. It's just obviously it's a whole different world. And it says that the case of excessive commercialization tends to take the focus of sports away from the action and instead makes the sideshows more relevant and essential. So I'm going to ask both of you, are we there yet? I, th- I think yes and no, which is a cop out of an answer. But yeah. I think, it, you well, know. explain I, it. I mean, but I think like when I think to... The match, you know, the quote-unquote the match, the the Brady, uh, Mickelson, DeChambeau, Rogers match. Which is like the third or fourth of its kind. Yeah, third or fourth of its kind was a just complete corporate corporate sponsorship. Like, the golf was almost irrelevant to the corporate sponsorship that was doing things. But in the general, like, in the broader scheme of sports, like, in the broader golf world and the broader sports world, NFL, NBA, MLB, NHL, you know, the NHL has, like, ads on their boards but that doesn't take anything away from the game baseball has ads behind home plate but that doesn't take anything away from the game you know football more than anything like has a has a contract with the defense department but like we can't call them corporate although come on yes we have the military yeah i mean come on the military military, complex is corporate you know so maybe the nfl in some way because they have of course then that ties in with the flag and then that ties in with the kneeling so maybe the nfl there's a more of an argument there but it, that's a that's a lighter argument. Like that's also a different argument. We're not there yet, and you know this is like, I'd say conservatively like a half a century of like Zach mentions the boards at NHL games and it's NFL stadiums, it's it's MLB stadiums where you you look at old videos from the seventies and there's still just like the outfields, the boards, the you know yeah the, the, there, there's corporate sponsors there's sponsors well, the, everywhere the, the Coca Cola sign at Fenway's on Fenway's uh, scoreboard over center field is not new. Pre-Foxborough, well, the Patriots played in what? Schaefer Stadium? Schaefer Stadium. Well, Schaefer, what a great beer. Right, Ed? If, if, <laughs> shake well before drinking. <laughs> um, in the night, if you look back at games, baseball games in the 1920s, they have corporate, the, the, the fences had, um, had ads on them the way minor league stadiums do now. Yeah. Obviously, the money is completely different, as they pointed out in this article, because of TV. Like, TV suddenly drove advertising, and then that happened again with the internet, and now it's happening again with streaming, Even at the, because you can target your audience. At, at the at the infancy of uh, baseball, boxing being pre-TV on radio, it's the game of the week presented by... There, there was always a presenting sponsor to, to even... To even uh, baseball games on the radio, boxing matches... It, it was Gillette's um, Friday Night Fights. 
But exactly. It, but I think it goes the, question, back. the question asked that article is, how many people have actually spent money buying buying from the corporations that are being advertised? Like, I've never once bought a product because it was on an ad board on the NHL. So I'm, gl- I'm glad that you brought this up because there's been a study done by Seton Hall. Well, thank God. And pirates. Um, and weirdly enough, the person who did the study choked PJ Carlissimo. <laughs> uh, by the way, uh, fun fact: my bitty basketball team was named after the Seton Hall Pirates. Nice. Uh, one, one, two thirds of us uh, had were in charge of that decision. <laughs> yeah, that's right, we were. Um, so, good program, not as good as UConn though. So, forty-four percent of people say that they are aware of the sponsorship, but only nine percent say they are affected by sponsors. This is the perfect example of people not understanding their own behavior. Yes. Because sponsorship, anyone who who, um, joined sponsorship in the NBA, NFL, PGA, and NHL sees about a 2% increase in stock prices once they do it. Almost immediately. Part of that is the belief that if you're a successful enough company to sponsor an activity you are successful enough to to invest it. Yeah, it's the it's the way people view companies and the way people view corporations. An- announcing announcing that you're going to have a NASCAR sponsorship creates an immediate 4% bump. Dogecoin did that. When Do- right. Dogecoin had a had a NASCAR car and their stock went up. And Dogecoin is a meaningless currency. Yes. Well, and I think it's a big part less about sales and more about just brand recognition. Like you take the city of New York I think it's Foxwoods that's behind home plate in Yankee Stadium, right? It's Foxwoods or Mohegan. Yeah. Say, that, uh, say that again. Mohegan Sun. Mohegan Sun is right behind home plate. At, at, well, it, it depends at, at Yankee Stadium. Where you're uh, watching uh, it's it. Foxwoods at Most Yankee Stadium. Stadium. Oh, it is Foxwoods. It is Foxwoods. Um, yeah, they are parted with. Nobody in New York probably ever travels up here for it, but the fact that they all know that it exists is brand recognition. It is the closest. It's the closest and most popular. Um, and most popular casino. Those are the two closest to most popular casinos. The, the, fun, the Fungwa bus goes from New York oh, to those Foxwoods. Buses. The, the, two things here. As a, as like a kid, college football, the bowl games, and the big bowl games, whatever, the, uh, the Sugar Bowl, the Fiesta Bowl, the Orange Bowl, I, I, I can tell you, as a kid watching those games, who the sponsors were. It was the Tostitos Fiesta Bowl. Still is, right? It was the, it might be. It still is the Tostitos Fiesta it's the, Bowl. It, it was the Nokia Sugar Bowl. I believe it's Allstate now. It is. And it was the FedEx Orange Bowl. It's not FedEx anymore. But I just, you who, kind of get. Who did the Cotton Bowl? It was AT and it was it was Southwestern Bell, right. and then AT and T bought them up. Because I, I, I remember reading an article about this when it first happened, and saying how terrible this was. And I thought, like, I don't know. Like AT and T has a better reputation with me than cotton as a crop for social justice. I mean, cotton as a crop for social justice has not been good. And you know, <laughs> <laughs> correct. But as an adult, and you mentioned PGA Tour, there are people, to me, as a, as a long-term golf fan or adult now, I think of tournaments as like where they're played, the course they're played at. Sponsors change over time. But I still have conversations with like golf fans, you know, golf, whatever, observers, your age, that will refer to a tournament as the Wachovia, the, the farmers, you know, a bank, an insurance company. Right. And it's like, no, man, that's that that this is the you know the Charlotte but, tournament. This is the San Diego tournament. But like, it's, but even here in, in in beautiful Rocky Hill, Connecticut, and by beautiful I mean not at all. That like, okay, we call it the Travelers. I mean, we the, call it the GHL, but it, it, it's it the Travelers. But it used it to be Buick. It was Cannon. But before cameras. then, it was the Sammy Davis Junior. And like, I don't know. I have a, few, like I have a lot of problems with Travelers. I had more problems with Sammy Davis Junior. Like what? Like. <laughs> Really? <laughs> oof. Oof. Oh, yeah. Read, read the uh, oral history of, and I forget who wrote it. It's incredible. It's not even oral history. It's an incredible article about Sammy Davis Jr. Oh, it's Malcolm Gladwell uh, hugging Richard Nixon on stage after Nixon made all kinds of racist, racist and anti-Semitic jokes about him and coming up and hugging him. It's like, yeah, we're fine. Like, I, I just... I just don't give a shit about that stuff. Like, I just don't care. Um, 
it doesn't ruin the experience for me. And that's the that point. an NBA yeah. game, the NBA guys have a little patch on their shoulders. It just doesn't ruin it for me. No, it it like it bothered me when GE went on the Celtics jersey, uh, because I'm a psychopath and I was pissed off that GE had left Connecticut. So I was like, "How dare they go on the Celtics jersey?" Now I have to. Now I have, they left Connecticut. Now I have to watch them be sponsors on this. Like, but after the first, I don't know, six games, I just stopped noticing it. When they left Connecticut for a higher tax state, I was fine. Yeah, I just stopped noticing it though. I was pissed off, and I stopped noticing it. I, I mean, you know, I mean, I, I mean, obviously, the reason it happens is it works, and this idea, and it's you know, as the only boomer in the room, the idea that. Things when we grew up are inherently better than they are now is insane. Like, okay, Citibank Field, I went to Shea Stadium. Shea Stadium was named after an attorney who twisted arms to get the stadium built in in Flushing Meadows. That's what it was named after. And it's like, well, he doesn't seem great. No, Citibank's not great. And Citibank's a better field. But it's like... You know, it's like, it what's difference? Like, it's just, just because it's the way, it, just because it was wider doesn't mean it was better. Have, have and you, that's the way pe- our, people of my generation tend to yeah. look at it. Have past. you guys ever seen uh, basketball? Yeah. yeah. Ba- basketball has a whole thing about that, especially when it comes to field names, that basically, like, corporate sponsorships kind of took over the sport. And that's why they formed this new sport to kind of get away from corporate sponsorships. And, like, there is something there like the you know the the smoothie king stadium that the pelicans play New Orleans in yeah. is is odd well i mean it would be hard to see fenway named the td bank fenway field yeah like, the sicko stadium or but, something but, like, yeah. but, but we went from boston garden to td bank garden and it was a weird adjustment and then we stopped thinking about it. Well, it was, it was it's the a great venue. It was the Fleet Center. The Fleet Center. Right, the Fleet yeah. Center. Yeah. Which is a bank. And it became TD Bank, another yeah. bank. Yes. Um, yeah. It's very in your face. It's like, like you mentioned New Orleans, the Superdome was always just the Superdome. Now it's the Mercedes-Benz Superdome. Does it really change anything about the experience of watching no, the it, game? It, it, it change your impression of Mercedes? Like, I, I'm not going to buy a Mercedes because I will, A, because I can't fucking afford one. B, I wouldn't want one anyway. C, uh, no, it's I like when the care. Tampa Bay but Devil Rays changed their name to the Rays. I'm still calling them the Devil Rays. It doesn't Rays. change the experience as like as well, well, I, of watching a Super Bowl in the Superdome versus I, the Mercedes-Benz Superdome. And, and actually, Zach, I, I think that that's instructive at some level. That changing names from like the Red Men to the Red Storm has become way more controversial than simply accepting corporate sponsorship. Part of that is because we've just kind of become a nerd to it. And part of it is, is just the weird American obsession with the only things that can change. Can, change is only acceptable if it's pro business. Like that's. Yeah. Only- yeah. It, uh, yes, exactly. That the, that when, when, when stadiums change their names, when bowl games change their names, we just kind of all accept it. But when the Indians change their name to the guardians, which by the way is a stupid name. Should be the spiders. Yeah, it it should have been the spiders, yeah, or the rockers. The spiders was that was a nineteenth century. That was a team? yes, like a yes. like a yeah. American, American Association. Association. Yeah, yeah, and they, and they went fifteen and one thirty nine, and I uh, <laughs> solid. Yeah, and it Good was stuff. one of the reasons that didn't happen. I was told by my friend William, who I work with now, is that somebody bought the domain, bought the trademark for every single team that had ever played in Cleveland. So the spiders, the naps, he bought all of them. So that when they wanted to, when they looked into the spiders, they really had to pay this guy off. Now, they could have paid him off for a million dollars and never thought about it again. I mean, the guy's not holding out for 10. He's going to, like, give him a million dollars. will be the Give happiest. the guy season tickets. He would have, <laughs> he would have said yes. <laughs> oh, hey, that sounds great. Yeah, yeah. Which in Cleveland, I mean, you might even be able to play. But um, <laughs> congratulations, you're a left-handed reliever. But, um, but uh, no, I mean... Yeah, a lot of that is just, we get wrapped up in this. So, are you guys ready for a bold take? I'm I'm thrilled for one. Always. Veda Manager, who is a former press secretary to Rose, uh, Rob Manafort. Veda Manager? Uh, Rose Ma- 
Bafford. Veda oh, manager is somebody's name in baseball? Yeah. yeah. Right. Well, obviously, <laughs> Veda is an important baseball name because of Veda Pinson, who was a very good player very in the good. 60s. If he had played in the 80s or 90s, he'd be in the Hall of Fame. And our friend who mispronounced Veda Blue's name. <laughs> <laughs> Touche. Touche. It's Vita. Yeah. <laughs> Veda Vici Vidi. But anyway, <laughs> and this had to do with the 1993. He was the former press secretary for Rose Mafford, who was the governor of Arizona in 1993. How could we forget? We may well. Here's why 1993 is important. I, you know. The Super Bowl is scheduled for Arizona in 1993, and they vote down accepting the United States movement of a Martin Luther King Day as a national holiday. And I remember 1993 was very controversial, and they voted it down, and the NFL pulled the game from Arizona. This is not dissimilar to what happened this year when Georgia lost the baseball draft in the All-Star game because it went to Colorado because of voter suppression. And Vader wrote, "You you had a major sports league whose players and many stakeholders and constituents and sponsors are saying we have a certain set of core beliefs. This also similarly drove the decision for the All-Star game where they got it was a, co- Coca-Cola pulling a out. lot of people from sponsors doing it. I think a couple things have happened over the last, since 1993, over the last 28 years. Uh, the 1993 was on the front of. One... Our politics have become irredeemably broken. Politics in this country, because of what really is a party that controls thirty-eight percent of the population, and oh, and like in oh. like fifty percent of the states, but they control all kinds of they they have disassociated power because of gerrymandering, because of prison prison gerrymandering, because the Senate exists, because the Senate exists, because. Uh, the House races get gerrymandered out of out of all proportion, and so do the state House rep races. And so all of that, our politics is irredeemably broken. A second thing that happened, and this is especially an NBA thing, is that players are more popular than teams. That Durant fans follow Durant. That LeBron fans follow LeBron. I watch... I spend an insane amount of time each day, I'm not proud of this, watching Steph Curry highlight videos. What the, I mean, who, who, whomst amongst us does it? Like, and I root for the Golden State Warriors because I want to see Steph win. And if Steph got traded to the Suns, I would root for the, Steph, the Suns because I want to see Steph win because he's the most fun athlete of my lifetime. The most joyous athlete of my lifetime. And... Those players have the corporate deals that many people have, places have, with those players is way more important than they have for the teams. There are no, except for Oregon, Nike doesn't name stadiums. They have players. I have a take on this as well, which is now that nil is passed, which is the name, image, and likeness, we're going to see more corporatization of college sports. And college athletes are not more important or not more loved than the teams they play for in college sports it's almost like you love alabama the team the players are irrelevant they, they never have been it, exactly but let's see it, it, right like let's like let's see what a guy with a million dollar sponsorship deal if he's now more important now of course in college they they can't train like they can transfer but they're not going to transfer but that's going to be a very interesting thing for us to see is the nil and and the impact of corporatization of college sports has like does this does this become the N- the the NBA, the NFL, the you know, where players are all of a sudden viewed as somewhat above the program. Well, first, quickly, you mentioned Arizona in '93. If you, our loyal listener, want a kind of behind the curtain scene of how we do things here at the Bill Bradley Collective, guys, um, John McCain and sports is an episode that, right? Yeah, yeah, McCain and sports. Yeah. Just keep that. There's a lot there. Anyway, you mentioned. 
you mentioned the popularity of the of the individual athlete over the team, and you mentioned Nike and, and the apparel. Now we are in a we're in a place where years ago, different teams wore different. If you watch an NFL game from the '90s, a team would have a champion logo, a uh, riddle a Russell Athletic logo on their jersey, whatever. No, it was re- it was solely Reebok on all 32 teams. Now it's solely Nike on all 32 teams. Every you want to buy a jersey, NBA jersey, it's all Nike. You see this, you see the the, the GE and the Boston oh, yeah. Celtics. You see the the swoosh on the other side. The swoosh is on every fucking team in the NFL and the NBA. And what's the thing about jersey sales? And if you're a Durant fan, you're gonna buy the Durant OKC jersey. You're gonna buy the Durant Golden State jersey. You're gonna buy the Durant. Brooklyn jersey, the stakes are it's 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 the fact the fact that it's got to a point where where these companies Nike Adidas Under Armour whatever are bidding such high numbers to apparel these teams speaks a lot to and again what's a jersey cost hundred bucks what's like a nice like, if you had a good about a hundred bucks hundred fifty bucks yeah um, but yeah. I I do think that that a lot of these sponsors connecting to athletes the athletes I think. It's fair to say in every sport except maybe football, hockey, are far more. The players are more liberal than the owners by magnitudes. I think in football too. Absolutely, it, 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 yeah. It, yeah, probably. But like, but I mean, yes. among um, it, it's the, the stars in football are probably not more liberal than the owners. The stars, no, the in, stars in football probably are because the stars are black. It's the linemen in our oh Brady. Yeah. Yeah, Brady, no, Brady, true. Brady, Brady. Yeah, Rodgers. 32, 32 of 32 owners versus, I mean, yeah. Yeah, 30, right. 32 owners voted for Trump. All, all 32 owners gave money to the Trump campaign at some point. I, I'm sure uh, uh, loyal so, listener Mike Schroeder will be adamant that the Raiders owner did not. He, he did. He did. Spoiler check, alert. He, he did. The check bounced. But, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but I think that that has involved the corporations into a more liberal bent that some of the Black Lives Matter stuff was pushed not by the league. It was pushed by the corporations in response, and then the league responded to that in a hypocritical way. But the corporations are also incredibly hypocritical. But I would say, you know, I had a professor once that said that hypocrisy is the lubricant of the social machinery, that hypocrisy is the only acknowledgement we have at a social level that an att- that there is a good that exists and we at least have to fake it. I would say that my, our, our friend Stuart has a saying that charity is a symbol of a broken social system. It is. So is, social, so is corporate responsibility. Yes. It is a sign of a broken social system. But we have a broken social system. And I think that the corporations, weirdly enough, and I am not, I mean, I think all corporations should pay way more taxes than they do. I'm not a corporate person. But I think in this case, the corporations have been pushing the leagues, who are also corporations, to be more responsive to the players and and the and the audience's needs because because they are taking a they are dealing with an ungerrymandered audience because it doesn't matter where you live they want you to buy Nikes. I, I think the best example of that was something we talked about, which is the All Star Game moving. The All Star Game moving from Atlanta to Colorado was not done by the MLB. Lightly, it was done after corporate sponsors started pulling out. The same way with the NCAA. Remember when they were going to change the NCAA from Indiana when Indiana passed the gay, uh, the anti-gay, uh, yeah, anti-gay laws that they were like, well, we're going to move. Then Indiana, of course, repealed those laws. Georgia did not repeal the voter suppression laws because Brian Kemp is a piece of shit, but. It, 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 that is an example of where we can see corporations making a social stance, not because they want to, but because they want to sell us products. Because they have the, to, because the because the general public they don't is want to more liberal than the voting public because yes. of voter suppression 
and gerrymandering and everything else. Did the did the NBA not move the All Star game out of Charlotte about? Five years ago, yeah, over the uh, bathroom, yeah, over the, the bathroom bill. By the way, the the, yeah. the All Star games moving, they estimate cost a hundred million dollars to the city, to those areas. Yep. That's a huge power lever that these corporations are pulling again, not because they're the best people in the world, but because they have to. And by the way, Veda Manager, who I started with, this is currently, or not? I think Veda's retired, but. They're the former senior director for global issues management at Nike. Do you know what the NFL does not have? A global. Uh, I, I for uh, you know an issue, a, a national or global issues management director. No, that they don't give a <laughs> shit. They feel like they're above that. I would say, you know, I, I don't want it to seem like we're blowing all the corporations. The media corporations are an entirely different story. ESPN's yeah. an entirely different story. Yeah, I I, I do think like. It is something where we have seen corporations act well, not out of altruistic manner, but out of self-interest. And I think that in the corporatization of sports, that I think is the lesson to take from this is that everybody is acting purely within their own self-interest. I think the corporatization of sports has made the, to you, to you both, they've made the sort of rank and file union member across you know, team sports made them, made them richer, g- giving them better protections because they've just brought more money into into the into sports, and that's and that's a that's a good thing. That's a good thing. I mean, you know, Bill Russell, who is you know a, a progressive icon, never had the kind of power in the NBA that LeBron James does now, and a lot of that is the corporate sponsorship. I mean, a lot of it is, and. Uh, I did not think we would end here on this. I mean, there's always so much we want to bitch that it, the Fiesta Ball should be, shouldn't be the Tostitos Fiesta Ball. I, I love Tostitos. I know, but it's still. It's we, free, we, it's we have them in our house all the time. Uh, it's a Frito-Lay company. Frito-Lay That's... just settled the strike. Good. Yeah, oh, they, well, hey, all right. They settled, hey. the, they settled the strike. And, and listen, corporations act on their own self-interest. It's just that I think the self-interest of the corporations is actually – more enlightened than the self-interest of the leagues. You know what it is? Points given when points earned. Yep. And with that, we are going to end America's favorite corporate podcast, <laughs> the Bill All the Bradley spices. Collective. Thank you for joining us on the Bill Bradley Collective. If you enjoyed today's episode, please smash that subscribe button and follow us on Facebook at the Bill Bradley Collective. We'll see you all again next week.